Good morning, church. Hope you all are doing good. Thought it was going to go. I'm good. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, our church made the paper this week. Uh, our picture did in the Beaumont Enterprise. I don't know if y'all saw that or not. Uh, not my preference, not how I like to see our church published, but uh, it all revolved around the issue of uh, General Conference met this week. Uh, it's the body of our denomination that decides directions for the future of our congregations and our churches. And uh, this past week, uh, they reaffirmed their stance on human sexuality. And um, the result of that is that uh, not a whole lot has changed in our language as a church. And the result of that also is that there's lots of people who are disappointed. There are many who uh, wanted to see our uh, churches uh, release or kind of loosen our stance on human sexuality or make it possible for there to be some more diversity in thought or theology about that issue. And so many of them were devastated by the news because they thought that the church was going to move in a different direction. And um, just to that reality, there are probably people within our church that feel that way and just want to say, we love you, we care about you, we're glad that you're here and um, that you have a place within our church and we're glad that you're a part of it. Uh, and then on the other side of things, there are probably people who didn't think the denomination took things far enough. Um, they didn't get what they wanted out of it, and so they're disappointed. And to them, I would say, we love you, we care about you, and we're glad that you're part of the church as well. Uh, it's a difficult topic. It's not one that's easily resolved, and um, I don't know what the future will hold, but I, I know the one that holds it, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And uh, it is to him that I believe we owe all of our honor and glory and our thanks this day, and that as we move forward as a church or as a denomination, my hope and my, my dream is that we will continue to focus upon making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, lifting him high, uh, giving him praise, and that um, that is our goal and our, our mission as a congregation. And um, I think it's a, a good place for us to, to pause for just a moment and say that following Jesus in our world is not always easy, Right? No matter where you fall on that, stat, that issue, it is, is something that, is, uh, that pulls at your heartstring, that's difficult, that's trying, uh, because we have friends and that we love and that we care about that are dealing with that issue and that are struggling with it, and that we also have a calling upon our life that we must follow Christ as well, follow His truth, follow His way of doing things. Uh, it's not easy. It's not something that is simple. Uh, no matter how many times you want to hear people say that it is simple, it is not. It's at times very, very difficult. And so today, um, rather than doing the sermon that I planned, I just want to pause and, and focus in upon that, that reality. And the reason I want to do that is because it gives us such a good opportunity to read a letter that we find in the Gospels called First uh, Peter. And you can tell by the name who it was written by. It was written by Peter. Um, I'm glad he's in the Bible. Not only does he deny Christ and make those mistakes, he also steps out onto the lake when Jesus calls him out there. And um, if you know your Bible, you know that Paul was very intellectual, very smart. Paul wrote Romans. It's one of the most complicated conversations in the Bible. Uh, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was well-educated, scholarly. You could imagine him debating even the most intelligent people out there. And then there's Peter, who I think was probably really comfortable. If he lived today, he would probably be a big fan of, uh, of NASCAR, right? And he would know all the good places to go fish. He would, he would know a lot of great things that you would care about. He'd be a good guy to talk to 
uh, just from the standpoint of he's, he's just the average Joe, just the average person. And uh, in his letter that he, he's, I'm going to talk with you about today, he's speaking to a group of churches that are going under a lot of persecution. Uh, later on in the letter that we're not going to cover today, he talks about going through fiery trials. And in Peter's case, he could have been speaking very literally uh, because at the time, that was one of the ways that Christians were executed, uh, was that they were burned at the stake. And so he's not just talking about it being a matter of uh, speculation or, oh gosh, it's difficult. He's saying, you know, real people in real situations are suffering because they're believers in Jesus Christ. And so he writes this letter that we're going to read in a moment uh, in which he addresses that issue and he talks about it. So if you've got your Bibles or your phone or however you want to read it, I think it'll be up on the screen as well. It is uh, 1 Peter, and we'll look at the first chapter today. And so he writes to them his greeting. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's chosen strangers in the world of the dysphoria who live in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bianthia, God the Father chose you because of what he knew beforehand. He chose you through the Holy Spirit, work of making you holy, and because of the faithful obedience and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. May God's grace and peace be multiplied in you. And when he begins in verse 1, he says, the God's chosen strangers in the world. Other translations may have something like um, exile, that you're God's exile. Um, I think the best translation that I've found of this is resident alien, right? He's saying, those of you who are resident aliens, he's saying, those of you who were once in Jerusalem, now you're spread out throughout the Middle East. And uh, he's saying that even though you're in a different town, you're in a different place, your citizenship is still with Christ. You belong to God's kingdom. You're part of what God is doing in the world now through Jesus Christ, through your baptism, through your, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit. Your heart has been changed. It's like you have a brand new life. And because of that, uh, you no longer feel like you're at home. Even though uh, it may look like home, I feel like home, it's just not quite where you believe God wants you to be. And so he says, that's, that's who I'm writing to. Those of you who feel like resident aliens. Uh, this past week, I got to do a little bit of traveling. Bless those of you who do it every week. I couldn't um, because you, you leave home and you run into a number of realities that tell you you're not where you're supposed to be, right? Uh, because you begin with uh, me being six foot four and getting into the economy class of an airplane, that tiny little space, uh, that cruelty of being crushed between two people uh, and me crushing them in, in return. Uh, and then the realities of going to a hotel room, and no matter how nice the room is, uh, that mattress is not the one you're used to. The uh, bathtub and shower is not made for six foot four people, um, and that you know the trash can is not where it's supposed to be, et cetera, et cetera. On down the line, sure it has everything that you need, yet it doesn't feel like home, right? And uh, this is what Peter's writing about. He's saying, you know, even though. It may seem like it's a place where you could be comfortable or a place where you could find life. He's saying it's just not quite where God wants you to be. So moving on in the scripture, after he names that reality, he says, um, May God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. On account of his vast mercy, he has given us new birth. You have been born anew into the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You have a pure and enduring inheritance that came, cannot perish, an inheritance that is presently kept safe in heaven for you. Through his faithfulness, you are guarded by God's power as you are, can receive the salvation he is ready to reveal in the last time. 
And so he says, you know, you have been claimed by Christ, you've been made new in Christ, and uh, you have a taste, you have an understanding of what God can do, you understand, and you have a, a glimpse of what is possible through Jesus Christ, and yet the fullness of it, the, the whole reality of it, hasn't been revealed. That we have a, a taste of what it is that Christ can do in our lives when we're made new, when we experience the forgiveness of our sins, when uh, God relieves us of the guilt and the, of our failures, our misgivings. And uh, yet, he says, but it's not, it's not finished yet. It's not the whole package, not the whole reality of what God is doing in the world. Um, I was reminded of that particular reality yesterday. My, wife, my mom came into town and she wanted to go eat crawfish because Beaumont's a good place to get boiled crawfish, right? And uh, so she came in, and we went over to a, a restaurant to go eat some crawfish. And um, as we're devouring pounds and pounds of crawfish, um, I could overhear a guy at the table down from us. And uh, they had finished their meal. It looked like they had had a, a good meal, but he was complaining to the manager. And I didn't know what was going on. And it wasn't that I was eavesdropping, because this particular gentleman was making it clear that he wanted everybody in the restaurant to hear that he was not happy with his food, right? And what cracked me up was, I mean, I don't like me to laugh at this, but he, he said, it's not real Cajun food. And that was his claim. He's, he's got like tons of crawfish shells in front of him, right? And he says, it's not real Cajun food. And I didn't, I didn't know what his particular complaint was, but I was like, well, I don't hear a Cajun accent. How do you know it's not real Cajun food? And then I grew up in South Louisiana, and I'm thinking, most of the Cajuns I knew were broke. They were poor, uh, before the oil industry especially. They were poor. And what went into Cajun gumbo was like various and sundry chicken parts that nobody else wanted, right? It wasn't choice cuts of meat. It was like neck. You know, it was like pieces nobody wanted. It was dirt cheap. And I'm thinking, I don't see that in front of you. And then the third thing that I was kind of laughing about is like, there is not a Cajun on the earth that would pay over $20 for a plate of crawfish. There's just, they don't exist. Every one of them has said, no, I can, I can do better at home. Thank you very much. And uh, what Peter's pointing out, he's saying, you know, we, we've gotten the taste of what's authentic, of what is real, of, of what it really looks like. And yet we're out of place. We're not where we used to receive that or, or will one day receive it. He goes on. Uh, you now rejoice in the hope, even if it's necessary for you to be distressed for a short time by various trials. This is necessary so that your faith may be found genuine. Genuine, Your faith is more valuable than gold, which will be destroyed even though it is itself tested by fire. Your genuine faith will result in praise, glory, and honor for you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you've never seen him, you love him. Even though you don't see him, now you trust him and so rejoice with the glorious joy that too much, too, is too much for words. You're receiving the goal of your faith, your salvation. And so when Peter describes his life and what's going on for him and the people in the churches, he's saying, we look forward to the day of our salvation. We look forward to what will be, and yet we don't have it all yet. And there's one theologian that wrote, and he said, you know, we are always standing in between those two realities. One, we have one foot in our current culture, our current way of doing things, and we have another foot in the kingdom of God. That we have our, our one place and our, our workplace and our families and the, the world that we're a part of, and then on the other side of things, we're part of what Christ is doing in our life and in our world right now. He says, that's always where we're going to be. 
And so just out of a quick curiosity, when you think about your own faith, uh, where do you think you are? I mean, if we get too far over in the culture, if we get too far in doing things the way that we used to do them or the way that everybody else does them, and we lose sight of what Christ is doing in our lives, then that's a big problem. Uh, we go from being a people who have, have experienced and tasted the goodness of Christ to becoming a people who have just kind of faded away or, or let go of what God was doing. Or if we're on the other side of things, if we are uh, always just simply focused upon what God is doing and we lose sight of what's going on around us, that it can harden our hearts and cause us to not be loving toward those people that need God's grace and mercy as well. So where are you in that? And as Peter finishes out this particular passage, he writes, The prophets who long ago foretold the grace that you've received, searched and explored, inquiring carefully about this salvation. You know, he's saying it's that, it's that precious that they, they searched for it, they longed for it, they sighed for the salvation that we receive in Christ. It says, they wondered what the spirit of Christ within them was saying when he bore witness beforehand about the suffering that would happen to Christ and the glory that would follow. They wondered what sort of person or what sort of time they were speaking about. It was revealed to them that in their search they were not serving themselves but you. These things, which even angels long to examine, have now been proclaimed to you by those who brought you the good news. They did this in the power of the Holy Spirit, who was sent from heaven. And so when we think about this entire passage, we look at it and we say, Peter understood that there are times in our lives where we go through trials, where we go through difficulties. But he found such great hope. He had a living hope. One, because he understood that he was part of what God was choosing to do in the world. Beginning of it, he says, you, you know, God chose you because of what he knew beforehand. Deuteronomy 7, when God picks, picks the people of Israel, it's not because they're highly qualified. It's not because they are successfully great or anything like that. Instead, in Deuteronomy 7, it says, you are kind of a puny people. You're weak. But because I love you, you're going to be my people. Because I love you, you're going to be my people. And not only is that that reality for us during the difficult times that we realize that God loves us, that he's chosen us, that we are his people because he loves us. You know, why does that matter so much? Well, if you're married or you're in a significant relationship, every once in a while, either you'll ask the question or they will. I mean, early on in the relationship, they'll say, you know, I love you. And they'll say back, well, I love you too. And then that really awkward question sometimes arises, and you've probably all said it one time or another in your marriage or your relationships. You say, why? And they go down the list. One, you know, you're smart. You're pretty. And then it kind of goes downhill from there, right? Like, you know, you're a good earner, whatever. And, and what Peter's pointing out, he's saying, but when God answers that question, he says, I love you because... I love you. And the best marriages, the best relationships, the best friendships, the, the things that matter most to us are all based in that. That understanding of God loves us because he loves us. And that we're highly treasured and valued and desired by our God. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in you. We thank you for this day and for this time, uh, for the moment that you have placed us within even though it may be a difficult day or a trying time within our hearts and our lives, the fact that you love us because you love us.
and that you created us and that you've given your son to us should give us such huge hope this day. And all these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.